Hello, welcome back to the Lazy Faisy Oddcast of Wonder and Whimsy. Woohoo! It's nice to see you all back. If you're new here, hello, welcome. My name is Dugsley. I am your humble host for this silly little oddcast, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we are going to be talking about the upcoming new moon in Leo lunation forecast. So we're going to be going over the next 29 days of astrology, specifically the way that everything is going to be interacting with the moon. We're going to be talking about some of those bigger aspects and transits as well, like... um we got a few, I mean, we're in the heart of retrograde season, so we're going to be talking about a lot of those. (laughs) A few planets are stationing retrograde during this lunation, and we're going to talk about the supermoon. I'm I'm sorry, not just the supermoon, my bad. I'm so sorry. You are going to be the super blue moon. So beautiful. So exciting. We get those pretty rarely, I think. I I read somewhere last night during my studies that we aren't getting the next super blue moon until like 2037 or something like that. So that's a bit of a celebration to be had for all of us lunar folk. And if you are not a lunar folk yet, well, maybe this podcast will convert you and <laughs> we can bathe under the moon's love forever and ever together maybe not together maybe like um like not like not parasocially together but like maybe you could be like on the other side of like the onsen and i could be on this side and the moon onsen you know the the hot spring on the moon all right okay anyway I hope everyone has had a good week. It's been a week since I last talked to you all. And thank you once again for your love on the last episode. I'm probably going to be saying that for a while as I'm still so new to this and new to, I don't know, the warm responses that I'm getting to me talking for an hour straight. It's (laughs) very humbling and kind. And I'm glad that you're all receiving me and receiving all the work I do here. So thank you. I'm trying to think if there's any quick oddcast updates I have to make. I don't think so, though. I don't think we have a state of the oddcast today. I can give you a little state of the doosley, which is that I slept in today. Like, and not in a cool, like, comfy way, but in a, holy shit, it's 1 p.m., jumps out of bed, like, furiously brushes teeth, gets my morning routine done. I really wanted to wake up earlier. I try to wake up early on podcast days just to set up a nice foundation to me putting on a good show. And I also have kind of a time limit because of my partner's work schedule. I have recorded when he's come home before, but it was this sloppy like editing. And I like, you know, I forgot where I left off. And It's not like, you know, the day's ruined, but it's like my foundation for today is a little screwed up. That's okay. That's for me in an hour to figure out because me for right now just wants to talk about this upcoming lunation forecast, which I think I'm going to come up with a better name for. Maybe it'll be in the title or something. I told myself I was going to brainstorm something last night so I could come into this episode with this sort of game plan and name and like series, I guess. But alas, I suppose... We will just jump into the episode. (laughs) Nameless, vibeless. No, just kidding. There's tons. There's actually tons of vibes, this, uh, this lunation. And I'm happy to be your lunar liaison 
your Luna translator for uh, for this moment, I suppose. Now, before we begin, I well, do want to talk a little bit about the moon, <laughs> if you don't mind. I love the moon. So I am predominantly, esoterically, a lunar witch. I've been working with her and her magic for a long time, longer than I've been doing things like reading tarot and stuff. Like, And, you know, it's one of those things where you look back and you're like, oh, I've been like a witch since I was like seven because I've been leaving her little cookies. Like, I just saw her big, beautiful, gray-ass self, and I was just enamored since young (laughs) young young but it wasn't until I started hitting like ages like 10 11 12 that I started doing silly shit like leaving cookies out which of course the Pocono Mountains wildlife adored maybe more so than the moon did but also like doing things like charging things under her energy before I even knew what charging was when I'd want to have good luck on a test I would leave like my pen on the porch and on on nights of the full moon and stuff and I was always very acutely aware of when people were like going extra ape shit on full moons right because I was always so fascinated by that phenomenon I guess then I had sort of the spiritual awakening where I was like oh I'm allowed to like believe in magic and be a witch right this was around high school and that's when I was able to start to reflect on my relationship with the moon and recognize oh okay so like I've just been participating in witchcraft forever I guess, (laughs) subconsciously and with this flow. And what I think that the moon teaches us and has taught me is, first of all, how to be vulnerable. And the moon rules emotions is like maybe the one word I would use to describe. The emotional realm is where the moon loves to play. And she's very liminal. I mean, you watch her every month ebb and flow and ebb and flow and wane and wax and wane and wax back and forth, back and forth, uh, big and small and big and small, big little, big little guy. That's a little moon in the sky. And she is just always waltzing in and out of vision. And I just find the moon's whole existence so romantic, just how she represents this life cycle every 29 and a half days, every lunation. And of course, there's all these theories that like the moon is really truly interacting with us more than maybe any other planetary force because she can control the tides and, uh, you know, we're 75% water. I think I talked about this last episode, but like stuff like that has rolled around in my head forever, even though there's size, you know, size doesn't prove it, but whatever. I think once again... And you can watch my whole last episode if you want to hear more on this topic. Like, I think that these sorts of phenomenons can't be truly explained yet, right? But as someone who sort of navigates and plays in the hedge and plays in this tangible, intangible, somewhere right in between that space, it's like, I don't know, anything's possible. (laughs) And the world is our toy and our playground. And the celestial bodies give us uh, a little bit more room to play and storytell and get to explore ourselves and others and try to lift each other up and try to be the best earthlings we can possibly be, right? The moon is just my personal way of directly connecting with the celestial bodies, I mean, she's the closest to us. And I mean, no one can ever escape the allure of a big, beautiful moonlit night. There's just something so magical about that. And 
even when she is gone with the new moon, you get to see all the stars above you, and at least I can where I live. <laughs> and I just love her. I, I've, I've never not loved the moon. So I'm excited that I get to give you an astrological forecast every month, essentially, uh, talking about her movement in the sky, her dance, and as she mingles with all the different signs, a whole bunch of different planets and uh, celestial placements and pinpoints and asteroids and the, the whole shimmy with the moon is that she is interacting with the sun the whole time, right? Because that's how the moon gets her big, beautiful glow. And so that part is also interesting, which we'll get into as we go into the forecast, how the sun affects the moon throughout her cycles. Because without the sun, we wouldn't have the moon. It's very yin-yang, as most things are <laughs> in, in life, secretly. <laughs> but without further ado, let's cut to the chase and start talking about this lunation. And it's up to you, maybe pull out a journal or something, uh, write down a few dates. I don't want this to be like too academic. So here's how I would maybe approach these episodes. If any of these archetypes or lessons or opportunities that are brought up because of these celestial and astrological shifts, if any of those resonate with you, maybe then jot some things down. I don't think unless you're like a lunar based person or honestly so this lunation is for the earth signs <laughs> uh this is a very very earth sign lunation and of course anyone who's extra lunar should always be aware of what's happening in the sky above us just because we are naturally more sensitive to her movements but who knows like there's there's something for everyone in these episodes i believe and i think that whatever resonates with you maybe jot a few things down jot a few dates down so you know exactly when that energy is the most potent to work with or to utilize and take advantage of. Uh, trust me, she has more than enough love and goodies to spread out to everyone. <laughs> and maybe something that you can do after taking in this astrological cauldron atlas that I'm about to throw at you. <laughs> maybe you can do something for the moon this week. Uh, and maybe during even during her full moon, her super blue full moon and Pisces. Sorry if I've been saying Aquarius previous episodes, by the way. That was my bad. <laughs> Listen, once again, and I'll say it again if this is your first lunation episode, I've been studying astrology for maybe four to five years now. So I'm still a baby, but I want to use this as a way to teach myself and teach others. And I'm totally open to wearing my little baby, my little, you know, those little squeaky baby shoes. That's me right now in the world of astrology. You guys can still find me in the store. Uh, but I just got the cool little monkey backpack leash off. So I'm going a little wild. I started the podcast, right? So I'm here <laughs> maybe <laughs> potentially irresponsibly but no I, I trust myself to deliver this information and I don't know let's all learn about this together and who knows because of my Gemini prowess as I'm talking maybe I'll learn something new as well <laughs> okay so of course we have to begin every lunation with looking at the new moon herself I don't know if other astrologers do this, but this is what I do when it comes to lunations. I see the new moon as the birth chart to the lunation in and of itself. 
what happens a lot of times when I look at upcoming lunations is that I often go back to the new moon as sort of like an anchoring energy that pervades throughout the entire new to full to new cycle. I don't know if that's irresponsible of me. <laughs> Sorry, but like, that's just what I do and it feels right to me. Even as the moon evolves, grows, shifts, transforms, and charms us all during that whole process, I feel like the new moon is where she really plants her energy and roots. And from there, she expands and flows outward, right? The new moon will be in Leo, okay, because it's in Leo season. And it will be on Wednesday, August 16th at 5.38 a.m. Oh, by the way, this is all Eastern Standard Time. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell you all the other times. You got to figure that out yourself. I just want to kind of give the exact point that it is the most new. You know what I mean? (laughs) When it is fully brand new. This is when she was born, her first new breath as new moon in Leo. 5.38 a.m. EST, right? Oh, and by the way, I'm sure you'll notice this since this episode is out on the day it is, but I'm planning on getting these Lunation episodes out two days, two days before the new moon Lunation actually begins. So you still get to take some time to gather all this information, get what you need to prepare for the month. It's also still in that dark moon phase in the sky, so you can already start beckoning in some of that new moon energy. So in my experience, the new moon's energetically like last for about three days and so do the full moons the other moon phases don't last as long but just know that you don't have to work with the new moon on the new moon you can kind of work like a day before and a day after as well uh she's not picky (laughs) because i mean she's still kind of like tinkering and and traipsing through that energy even though it's not at its peak right so it's it's not like you're locked in or you're locked out of new moon or full moon energy it's it's a flow like everything is. So don't don't overthink that. But of course, if you can, showing up on the days of the phases becoming exact, it's a good practice to get into if you're capable and if you're free to do so. So the first thing I like to look at when I look at the lunations is just seeing how the moon is interacting and aspecting to other uh, planetary forces or celestial forces. And this one was very interesting because I see the moon was trining the north node, which therefore means it's sextiling the south node. So She's in a really good flow with this these karmic values that the nodes provide. Uh, the moon's also trying Chiron, which is the... This is a really fun phrase I like to jump scare people with. <laughs> the, the unhealable wound is Chiron. <laughs> it's not that scary, though. Uh, he's, he's a tough cookie. But I think that Chiron's one of those placements where it's like, you gotta heed their instructions or else you're going to be running into a wall your whole life. And you got to trust where that placement lies so that you can better inform yourself on how to, although the wound of Chiron is unhealable, what Chiron teaches us is how to teach, right? Uh, What we can't do, we teach, right? So, but Chiron's a bit of a tough cookie. And the moon is also sextile alongside the south node with Ceres, which is my favorite asteroid, the asteroid of healing. Honestly, now that I think about it, kind of Chiron's counterpart in some way, uh, where Ceres is all about, like, healing yourself to heal the world. Maybe, like, two sides of the same coin, right? And, you know, it's funny seeing the moon sort of interact with these maybe more subtle celestial bodies slash points in the sky. And the way that I was thinking about that was, like, this feels like a very major arcana moon. (laughs) 
as opposed to the miners. Because when we think about the nodes, Chiron, Ceres, we're thinking about these big, sweeping, looming archetypes, rather than maybe more acute things like if the moon's interacting with Venus, we can really narrow down into things with like working with our beauty, uh, using water to enhance our, like, there's more exact like mundane things that we can do to activate like lunar Venusian aspects. But when we're talking about like the nodes, Chiron, Ceres, these are all very long-term sweeping, uh, uh, maybe like less formed puzzle pieces that usually require another piece to sort of solidify why it's there, what it represents. And because we have this major arcana energy already rooted into the new moon, this feels like a very big, expansive lunation. And it's just so funny that this is our first lunation we go over. So I feel like the ways that we kind of are being asked to flow through this new moon is, and I'm going to use some keywords here. Oh, I forgot to mention that the North Node and Chiron are in Aries and the South Node and Ceres are in Libra. And that's a very interesting axis as well. They're opposite of each other. Uh, it, it, the, the Aries, Libra axis is what it's usually called. And they both have to deal with power in my opinion, but they both consume and chase power in different ways, where Aries is very self-initiated energy. I feel like Libra is very much for the people and will attempt to create an inner power and maybe an outer power too by creating uh, checks and balances and making sure that everything is working and running smoothly, where I feel like Aries is a little bit more chaotic and encourages a not even like an iron fist necessarily, but maybe a more <laughs> direct way of handling conflict and problem solving, right? They're very just in the heat of all of it when maybe Libra is the one that's diplomatically being like, hey, my consorts, you deal with this, and but still maintaining a position of power. And see, that's why that nodal shift that just occurred a few months ago, or maybe like a month, sorry, I'm not going to date, <laughs> whenever that happened, it was quite recent though, when the node shifted into the Aries-Libra axis. I don't know, I feel like we are really being asked to confront our reason why we're here. I know, that's really big, but <laughs> I think we should always have those kinds of questions on our mind though, because I think all of us have roles to play together because if if we stick with the belief that I hold that we're all in this together, we're all working together, everyone's holistically connected, right? I feel like with the moon sort of interacting with these planets and these signs right now, a really good rule of thumb to hold through this lunation in general, but especially for this new moon, is listen to your gut. I'm going to be saying that a lot this episode, by the way. This is a very intuitive... I mean, the moon in and of herself is very intuitive, and I think to live a lunar-based life means to take pause maybe more than the average person and go inward and check with yourself first be like am I good with this are my vibe checks passing <laughs> like am I feeling secure safe uh heard loved right now but I think the reason why I wrote that down here is I'm thinking about just like listening to your gut which is Aries Aries is so physical as opposed to your head and listening to your feelings which of course is the moon it ends up being like this for this lunation in particular your feelings and the way that you feel all this out the life whatever whatever comes at you this month 
I really want you to try to tune into that inner compass and maybe perhaps understanding that your feelings are a compass. And I'm getting, I'm grabbing the word compass because of the nodes, especially the feelings that are really hard to swallow and the feelings that are uncomfortable. Explore those too. This is, this is not just fluffy love and light moon magic, right? Like we're meant to swallow up and take into human experience pit and all, including yeah, that yucky stuff, the feelings we've been avoiding. I don't think that this lunation will be doing you any favors if you just shut down, put your head down, and just do what you gotta do. I, I think that we are all being called to tap in a little deeper for this lunation. Trust me, there are lunations that's like, just go, go, go. Like, you 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 were supposed to spend the previous lunations, like, feeling your feelings. Now it's time to move. So trust me, there will be lunations like that as well. But this is one of those classic lunar moments where uh, especially once again on this new moon on the 16th just confront these feelings that maybe have been piling up over these last few months and choose to interact with them and feel them out and see where those feelings are coming from and just try to gain a bigger understanding on how you're a part of this whole big flowy game (laughs) of life. Now, another thing I want to talk about regarding this lunation is I actually wrote first, this is a great phase for this activity I'm about to mention, but actually this whole lunation is a wonderful time for something that we call cord cutting in the witchy community. But I think anyone could cord cut, uh, even if you're not a witch, right? It's just the ritual of cutting off someone's life force from yours. And I believe that when we interact with individuals, even strangers, you know, we all have these almost like strings of like our our internal tapestry that makes up our life. And sometimes our strings mingle with other strings and then they get tied into knots and sometimes the cords start to thicken or if you start to lose touch, the cords start to loosen and weaken and sort of slip off of each other. But Either way, when we walk through life, we have all these little strings like aura, astrally based strings that sort of like brush against other people. And sometimes they tie together and sometimes they interact with each other. And of course, the most important chords that we can acknowledge and think about are the ones that are with those who we interact with commonly or the ones that we love or the ones that we hate even. Uh, Those are chords too, the chords that we hold on to after they've hurt us. And, you know, we say things like, oh, like, I don't care about them, but you haven't stopped thinking about them, even uh, and including how much you hate them in months, right? And not to mention that there's also Venus retrograde happening, which we will be talking about at length in, like, minutes, because <laughs> I think that is the most important aspect that is happening in this, this lunation. Like I said, this is such a wonderful moment to cord cut. I normally recommend cord cutting right before the new moon, but fuck it. This new moon is just in such a prime position to, because, like I said, this she wants us to feel right now and allow our feelings to direct us. And if we have all this bullshit feelings that no longer serve us and are no longer sustainable or pleasing or anything, we we gotta cut clean. 
So allow this new moon to be your invitation to completely cut off all energy from those who no longer deserve it, or maybe who would never have. If you're looking for information on cord cutting rituals, there's tons and tons of resources. I know that Celestial Cafe did a cord cutting episode, which I'll uh, I'll link in the show notes, actually. I think that was one of our best episodes, and it's still worth listening to if you want to listen to, like, I think... That was one of our longer ones, like an hour and a half of us talking about the art of cord cutting and what that means and uh, the shadow work involved and the responsibilities involved in cutting cords. It's more than just being like, okay, I'm never thinking about them again. There's also like little rituals that you can do to sort of ceremoniously cut ties energetically, physically or otherwise with this individual or not only individuals i'm talking about this in a very people-centered way but this can also be cord cutting your bad habits your old mindsets like anything that weighs you down the moon is not weighed down you have to remember that if we want to be one with the moon we have to allow ourselves to be subject to the flow and if we are anchored because of our fifis (laughs) not to not to be little sorry (laughs) when i say things like that i'm thinking about myself i'm putting myself down okay uh Uh, And and our distractions and our earthly struggles and traumas, we're going to be too heavy to be able to respect this watery lunar flow that is gifted to us at all times. We can tap it at any time, right? But who knows? Maybe this is your first time understanding what lunations are all about and you you want to totally succumb to her knowledge and beauty. Well, then I just invite you to participate in a cord cutting. And now the important thing that follows up a cord cutting is planting new seeds. (laughs) because if not you're just gonna have this big empty hole and that's what I think the new moon is best at the new moon is really good at planning ahead and really thinking about how you want to navigate this upcoming 29 and a half days of magic and I think that this is when we can really lean into the Leo part of this new moon because these seeds will already be sustainable because this is our anchoring life force for the next 29 and a half day life cycle I was thinking like okay so we eliminate what no longer serves us with a cord cutting and then maybe some of the new seeds that we can plant that are Leonian I said that word again. I don't I don't think that's what people say. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any I don't think any astrologer has ever said Leonian. That'd be cool though, because I like it. I feel like it flows well, it makes sense. Anyway, I feel like some Leonian, I'm making it a thing. Leonian concepts are things like we cut out the hurt and the struggle and the pain and the confusion, and we call in aspects like confidence. And magnetism, uh, which I think is such a Leonian thing. And of course, we can get really creative with the word magnetism. We can magnetize a lot of different things ranging from mindsets and cool and friendly people to things like money. And in fact, we're going to talk a little bit about money magic in a a few minutes. But I also think a really cool virtue and aspect of life to call in during this new moon is also finding your people, finding like your little clan of individuals that are resonant with you. Because I think that when people think of Leo energy, they think of life of the party. It's like, it's not only that, it's that they have a party to life too. (laughs) You know, Uh, they, 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 are likable enough to have a full party to impress and charm and 
just has shake their long flowing manes at and everyone goes, ooh, ah, Leo. So maybe thinking about, and uh, and of course, there's so many more solar concepts. Uh, and I also want to address the fact that the moon is in Leo during this time. And that's not like an uncomfortable place for her. I mean, she's constantly interacting with solar energies as is. And Leo is ruled by the sun. So the moon working in a sun-y sign, it's like... Nah, she's used to this. She's it's pretty mild and comfy here for her. This is this is not uncharted territory for her to to play in solar mindsets, right? I also want to say, so I don't work with Lilith, but I also happen to read that this new moon is conjunct Lilith this time around. So I to all the astrologers listening who work with Lilith, I, I really should, honestly. Uh, I just have not been pulled to her at all. But I just figured I'd throw that out there for anyone who that's relevant to. And I all I wrote down in my notes was like, spicy. <laughs> that is a definitely a little bit of a spicy placement. So if that's relevant to you, I thought I'd throw that out. But now I have something way more important to talk to you about regarding this new moon and regarding this whole lunation in general, which is our Venus retrograde. And not just Venus retrograde. There's there's another layer to this, which is really exciting. And that is morning star Venus, which is a relatively new concept to me. I started hearing about morning star and her counterpart evening star Venus maybe a year ago or so, but this lunation forecast gave me an excuse to kind of dive deep into understanding what exactly that means. And I apologize if I don't word this very well. Um, because I was getting myself confused with the orientations of, you'll understand in a second. Anyway, so the way that Venus retrograde works, first of all, Venus retrograde is 40 days, which I'm just throwing out there for all my numerology folks who are listening. I find that pretty fascinating because we see the number 40 pop up a lot in a lot of mythos. So once again, you could just throw that into the the pot there. (laughs) What happens is that, and for those who don't know, retrograde is an astrological and astronomical phenomenon. So ast- astronomically, what happens is that it appears like, and focus on that word, appears like the planet starts to go backwards in the sky as opposed to its normal ecliptic forward. And it is an optical illusion. It's just the way that like our Earth is set up in relation to the plants in the sky. A lot, What a lot of people compare it to is like when we're on the highway and we're next to a car and it looks like the car's wheels are turning backwards, but really they're moving forwards. It's one of those things. It's an optical illusion, but astrologically that holds a bit of weight because to us to the untrained eye and especially to those those older astrologers uh way way back in the day you know they're just a little older than us right just a few thousand years old they saw this and they got fucking jump scared (laughs) like no Venus come back where are you going you're going the wrong way uh but it turns out that the the retrogrades do hold weight in the the art of astrology because it signifies that energy not working really as planned and the foundations of it being a little confused, screwed up, or maybe sometimes completely inaccessible. Ooh, that was a word. So we look at Venus retrograde. And so we think about the vibes of Venus, which of course she's the planet of love. She is rules everything about beauty, conventional uh, and otherwise perceived beauty, perhaps. Uh, She rules love between two individuals, right? Uh, Or more, if that is what you prefer. 
and she rules just anything that we come to love in our life. I've, I've ended up using Venus as a tool when I'm just working with things that I just love. What happens is that when Venus goes retrograde, this happens every retrograde, she ends up colliding with and almost like trust falling into the sun is how I picture it. So imagine being an astrologer way back when, and you can, Venus is a visible planet. So you're watching Venus go for it, following its regular cycle. And then all of a sudden it starts to slow down to a stop because it's not like whiplash. It's not like retrogrades. All of a sudden it's, ret- it's stationed retrograde and it starts going backwards right away. So it looks like it's it sort of slows down, stops moving in the sky, and then appears to start going backwards. And here's the thing. So it collides with the sun. So it disappears for, what, like two weeks or so? <laughs> maybe a bit longer, maybe like three weeks. So they're like, holy shit, where's Venus? And then Venus pops out on the other end and ends up following the sun for a really long time again. What happens, what these old astrologers and also like old like uh, uh, mystics and, and myth weavers, I suppose, they would see this happen and they were like, holy shit, Venus is reborn. She touches with the sun, the greatest and most powerful energetic blueprint in the sky. And then she pops out the other end. And then continue, it, it's, it was this very fascinating thing to observe. And, and like I said, every time she retrogrades, she will retrograde into the sun, just the way that everything lines up with her cycle and stuff like that. So the way that I see it is almost like when her retrograde begins, it's almost like she starts to cocoon and then she goes under the sun and combusts under the sun and is like, cleansed in this big powerful flame and what happens when a planet collides with the sun in that way like i I use this term already which is combust and what that means is that basically the planet's out of order they are completely dehydrated and burnt to a crisp under just the incredible energy that the sun exudes and so they sort of take a moment (laughs) and not really do much and not really interact with things, which is generally considered a not great thing. Uh, We want our planets to be working as intended and not under the sun's loud ego. (laughs) I say that with love, affectionate. You know, visualizing Venus as sort of doing this intentionally once like every 584, I think, days is her cycle. Well, she does it twice, technically, but the second time that the sun eclipses her, but her coming out from behind the sun during the Venus retrograde is what allows her to evolve into what is called the morning star Venus. Before I continue with that as well, I want to mention the old Babylonian, I think, Mesopotamian. I'm sorry, I... I don't remember exactly where this is from. Sumerian. I think it's Sumerian myth of Inanna. And you may have also heard of the myth of Ishtar. The It's the tale as old as time. That is the girl goes down into the underworld, faces trials and tribulations beyond what she could ever imagine, and eventually comes to a conclusion where she spends half of her time in the underworld, half of her time above ground, and therefore created the myth of why seasons exist and why why it's really hot and then really cold. And I'm, you may be familiar with a version of this myth from Persephone. This movement of Venus was inspiring to old myth weavers back in the day. And so they associated Venus with 
Inanna and her journey through the underworld. And I I recommend checking out that myth if that interests you. I, I learned about that in more detail this weekend, and I would love to spend some time talking about it, but I got a lot to talk about. So if that interests you, please take some time and check that out, because I was definitely fascinated, so you might be too. I want to talk a little bit <laughs> about the differences between Morning Star and Evening Star Venus, because th- once again, this is all stuff I just learned, so I kind of want to spread the love and spread the knowledge. So like I said, we are currently moving into a Morning Star Venus where she rises sort of ahead of the sun. What a lot of astrologers have come up with is that the morning star Venus represents the Taurian, earthy, Venusian aspects, while evening star Venus works on the Libra level of Venusian access. The ways I was thinking about that is like the morning, when Venus is morning star, which she is for half of her cycle, this is when we're meant to be calling in a more selfish love. And what I mean by that is love that grants us security, material, bodily security. I think about the earthiness of Taurus and how uh, I, I mean, one of the most stereotypical things about Taurus is that they're these like luxurious individuals that are very focused on their physical comforts. <laughs> and uh, I think that we need that sometimes to sort of call in this deep earthly love towards ourselves, right? Where we show ourselves that we care for ourselves and care for others by making us big, delicious, warm breakfasts and making sure that our laundry is done before we get home so that we can truly relax and maybe spending a little extra money to get that treat you want, right? This is how we show love during a morning star Venus or how I think she wants us to access that sort of love because, of course, there's the other part of love, which is Libran and is airy. It's very interesting because another planet, Saturn, is exalted. Is, is very happy and very comfortable in Libra. Saturn is, you know, rules, boundaries, and rules in and of itself. So I feel like Libra works best by showing their love through a more selfless act, uh, motivated by things like justice and equity and, and balance and making sure that everyone's accounted for. Uh, I find that the Libras in the room are very concerned with doting upon everyone else, making sure everyone's happy, pleased, content, and that makes themselves content. But I think the only way for us to healthily be able to take that role is by taking half (laughs) of the the Venus experience and really sinking into the morning star, feeding ourselves, feeding our own soul so that we have a full cup to give when it evolves into evening star and we can fully fall into those Venusian concepts when that time comes. So, like I said, this is a morning star, and that's why I wanted to bring up money magic, question mark. I feel like that this is such a ripe lunation to sort of start or work with your money bowls, if you got any. And because of that north node in Aries, which is just going to kind of be looming over us for a while, this is especially good for beckoning in goals and, and monetary checkpoints that require a bit of extra hard work and elbow grease on your part instead of maybe just having it fall into your lap. (laughs) There's always times for that, I promise. But uh, I feel like just the way that this whole lunation goes, I feel like that this new moon is a very much like revving your engines point, not moving, 
but start to become discerning, start to see opportunities where you can make more money, where you can advocate for yourself to make more money, uh, which I'm actually going to be talking about in another phase in the future, and really leaning into those hardworking goals that we've been setting, but maybe spending some time this new moon and getting really specific about monetary goals, because Morningstar loves to spoil Okay, Morningstar Venus just wants to come in and sprinkle you with all this coin and all this gold to give you the comfort and security that you desire. And another thing I want to mention very briefly is that, of course, it did not get past me that Morningstar is another term for Lucifer. And as I talk about all of these material needs and comforts. I'm thinking about the devil tarot card and maybe the dangers of this transit could be becoming a little too materialistic, a little bit too comfortable in our habits, maybe a little bit of fear of overspending with this placement. Oh, wait, watch, listen to this. Cooper, you gotta leave it, bud. Hey, leave it. <gasps> leave it. Stop, Bubba. He's licking his penis. You gotta stop. He looks very guilty. You go a little too crazy sucking on that thing. You gotta relax. I just really say whatever the fuck I want out here, dude, don't I? I don't know what I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. But one last thing about Morningstar Venus before we continue. Whatever does not pass Venus's vibe check will be destroyed in a brilliant violet flame. Okay? Like, and that's just the case. I, have you seen the amount of celebrity breakups that are happening right now? I don't even look at celebrities, and I feel like I've been bombarded with this shit. I feel like I'll, all I've been seeing is, like, Dustin McChoy has broken up with wife of eight years, Valerie McClargan, uh, over, like, and it's just like, who, first of all, who are you people? Second of all, I, I've never seen something quite like this happen in this celebrity world. And also, like, not to mention, I, I feel like there's also just been a lot of big name celebrities that have been breaking up. And I don't know, like, of course, that's only just like what we see. But I feel like even in day to day life, I've been seeing a lot of not and not just breakups, but just a lot of people throwing in the towel for a lot of their dreams, even, uh, or a lot of their like, unsustainable loves and goals. Right. And a lot of people even like deciding like, hey, like I need to actively and radically change the way I approach this part of my life. And I think that's what Venus is really good at. But it's really scary because Venus is a source of our security. And all of a sudden we are being asked to shake our foundations on purpose for our greater good. And it's scary. <laughs> I just want to say like to those of you who are surrendering yourselves to this flame that Venus is providing as she herself is under the sun's flames. It's almost like they're dancing together and burning everything to a crisp that cannot stand and anything that's not up to your standards and also anything that involves like unnecessary conflict in your life as opposed to collaboration is what I'm thinking as far as like conflict. Anything that's stopping you from connecting to others, I just feel like throw it in the fire. Just like throw it in this giant, big, beautiful Venusian bonfire. It's there for you to toss in. And once again, because this is such a blessed time, <laughs> we get to then utilize the magic of this Leo new moon and, and plant new new seeds in this ash. I think that before we continue on with the phases, this is a wonderful new moon to like actually sit down and set some goals for. We're going to be asked to 
be focused a lot over these next 29 and a half days. So think about it. Think about some goals you want to hit and maybe some Venusian based goals, which regards values, individuals, habits, mindsets, making sure that they align, that they bring you security and making sure that they are not for others. <laughs> that sounds bad. But like, you know how sometimes we have goals and maybe like this is a really, I'm going to give like a very like, critical example of this but it's like when you're a kid and your parents are like you got to be a doctor you got to be a doctor you got to be a doctor and then you get to high school and you're choosing you know your major for college and stuff you're like I'm gonna be a doctor and then you're like seven years into being a doctor like wait I've never wanted to be a doctor I'm just doing what other people have told me to do I never really had the time space or energy to consider anything else right so it's those things that we're being asked to burn away so we can see our truth so we can be aligned with our heart that's Venus too, of course. And the moon. They they are in this beautiful dance right now, and I think it'd be foolish for us to um fuck around with that. <laughs> so big new moon. Okay. I I just said a whole bunch of shit to you. But and, and honestly, this new moon was the bulk of what I wanted to talk about. So we'll be getting through the rest of this lunation pretty quickly, but stay tuned and, and listen in because I, I do think some of these movements are important as well. So after the new moon finishes her quiet and serene darkness, a little sliver starts to appear uh, upon her big, beautiful face. And this is what we call the waxing crescent phase. And this waxing crescent is in Libra. What happens during the waxing crescent phase is what a lot of people imagine the, the moon phases are is a life cycle. So the new moon is the baby, right? You have to kind of take care of her, like let her feel her feelings. She's quite needy during this time. Uh, just regarding not that she like needs us but like it's it's more so like she has a lot of feelings that needs to be let out and um so you kind of pat her back and you burp her (laughs) and stuff like that and so if we look at it like that we look at then the waxing crescent which is almost like this toddler phase okay so now the moon is starting to get a little curious about the seeds that were planted she's starting to throw her baby food and starting to put her yucky little hands into light sockets she's discovering she's experiencing baby steps i was thinking like how important it is to encourage us to crawl and in fact uh, I have a family member it's kind of interesting Uh, I think they're like my mom's cousin or something they actually never learned how to crawl and it wasn't until around high school that their family and friends recognized that there was just some stunted growth I suppose when it came to like intellectual and emotional prowess and they went to the doctor about it found out that she never learned how to crawl And they actually had to do physical therapy where she crawled on the ground. And not that those things like disappeared forever, but they definitely improved and were able to sort of create new neural synapses that were pivotal as a child that she was never able to connect until she was an adult. And I kind of view this moon phase the same way where it's like, okay, So we've planted the seeds in the new moon and we're like in our feelings and we're observing this morning star Venus that's beckoning us to like call in abundance and material safety and uh, uh, warm drinks and bubble baths, right? But what's the point if we don't actually do any of those things? (laughs) And so I think that this is one of the most pivotal phases of La Lune, wherein this is the time to get shit rolling, okay? Create 
the habits and the mindsets now. This is, uh, and you'll hear me say this phrase a lot, probably throughout the whole podcast, maybe for these next three or four days that this crescent waxing moon is happening, like August 20th to 23rd or so, no zero days on your new moon plans, okay? And what that means is like, do something every day that caters to the goals that you set just a few days prior. Like allow yourselves that that new moon phase to like really think about and consider what you want to aim for this month. But then crescent waxing is when it's like, okay, I'm going to do them now. <laughs> Cause you you don't wanna stunt the the lunation's flow due to like your poor circulation. You don't you don't want to clog up the the flow right away by like just not doing anything uh, because the crescent and waxing phase is ruled by air. Oh, I forgot to mention that new moons are ruled by water, which is why we're so deep in our feels. And then we, so we get into the air part and this is when we start to get playful and we start to move things around and move energy around. Right. And I do, I did notice that the moon is an aspect to Venus during this point, uh, sextile Venus. So it, they sort of greet each other and they wave to each other. Sextiles are very friendly. And it's also interesting because at this point, Venus is moving along on her retrograde cycle and is officially not combust anymore. She is still considered something called under the sun's beams, which still isn't pleasant, but we definitely don't want a combust planet. So that's way better. So she's still a little down for the count as far as like Venusians. She's still in her, like her cocooning phase, I guess, <laughs> where uh, uh, the morning star still hasn't like properly like popped out yet. So the, the moon kind of brushes shoulders and, and gives a nice friendly wave to Venus and uh, just sort of reminding you of why you're doing this, of what this lunation's all about, right? Yeah, R- remind yourself why you're making these changes. That's what I think that this crescent waxing moment is for. I wrote down a little question for yourself, maybe a little journal prompt. As Leo season closes, what is one thing you can do today that aligns with and supports the seeds planted on the new moon? Kind of like everything I was saying to you. So really think about that. And it's true, Leo season at this point is very close to coming to an end. We have a couple of quiet waxing crescent days that we get to sort of start to make these habits. And then on August 23rd, Virgo season begins. Shout out to my Virgos. An underrated sign, I feel. (laughs) But I'm a Gemini, so Mercurial see Mercurials, okay. And my partner has a lot of Virgo, so... I have found a newfound appreciation for Virgos over the years. And so this is your time. And it's kind of interesting because the Virgo sun is opposite Saturn. (laughs) So I don't know. This is especially a scrutiny-based, sweating the small stuff kind of Virgo moment. It's definitely a time for post-it notes, library runs. But, and get this, this is just like a sick, cruel joke. Uh, (laughs) The same exact day, Mercury stations retrograde. And you'll never guess where. Also in Virgo. So Virgo's ruler, as soon as Virgo season starts, maybe like, I think like a few hours in. And I mean, at this point, Mercury's already in the shadow phase. So we're, we're, we've already been feeling the undercurrents of Mercury retrograde. But uh, you, you only get like maybe a day, a daylight's time of Virgo season before we are succumbed to 
Mercury retrograde, which I know is very demonized, okay? And the reason why Virgo retrograde is so jump-scared as opposed to the other planets is because, one, it is the fastest, and two, it's the closest. So it, in theory, it, it interacts with us the most. But I think also besides, like, the astronomical aspects of Mercury affecting us, I think the thing is, is that what Mercury rules just... I feel has the most opportunity to be destructive to us as humans. Mercury rules communication. Mercury rules transportation. If you can't get to your job, you lose money and then you can't own a house. If you have shitty communication, I'm a believer that like 95% of our trauma comes from like really shitty situations like with others wherein like I think about like parents and peers and teachers right so I feel like just and like I said when things are retrograde when planets are retrograde they are just not working at full capacity and therefore sort of letting things slide <laughs> that maybe if they had a better control over uh they would be able to sort of rein in and give us better results listen this mercury retrograde all i have written down here i have two things written down first of all we are given yet another long mercury retrograde in a mercurial sign i don't know if anyone remembers the last mercury retrograde we had a few months ago in gemini that was ugly. That was a really ugly retrograde for me. Once again, I mean, I'm a Gemini sun and moon, so I'm going to get a little extra affected by mercurial shit. But I don't know. I felt that was especially yucky. And the fact that we're getting another long Mercury retrograde in a mercurial, it doesn't leave the sign at all. It, it's going to be stuck in Virgo this whole time. So Virgo season might be a little wibbly wobbly, honestly. And all I have to write down here is, you hear it every retrograde, I'm going to say it to you myself, because this one is especially potent, back up your technology, please. This, I feel, is going to be a really potent retrograde regarding our uh, files and our hard drives. I don't know, like, just... <laughs> Please do that. Do it for me. Do it for Dugsley. Uh, I'll appreciate you because I, uh, this is not the time to fuck with that. I just, I, I feel like Mercury Retrograde is never the time, but this one, another Mercurial, it's pretty unlucky. I can't lie. So I'm kneeling to all the Virgos that are going to be a, a little bit maybe out of water for their, their season. I'm saluting you and wishing you the best of luck. So the next phase that we're going to go into after our waxing crescent will be the first quarter. And that's when you look up into the sky and you see half of the moon there. Uh, not a not a quarter of a pizza pie, <laughs> but half of the moon, uh, which I know can be a little confusing. So that'll be on Thursday, August 24th at 5.57 a.m. Nice, bright and early. We get to see her perfectly, exactly quartered at that time. Uh, oh, and by the way, she'll be in Sagittarius. So like I said, the moon, of course, is interacting with the sun during all these phases. And quarters, there's a first quarter and there's also a last quarter near the end of the lunation. They're very interesting because the moon ends up squaring the sun during these points. I feel like with the first quarter, because like I said, we're, we're goal setting, we're looking ahead, we're starting to make movement, right? If we approached the waxing crescent maybe as intended, then we will have already started making motions and and creating a flow of our own. And I think that this is our first checkpoint where maybe we'll be challenged regarding specifically your wants and your needs. I feel like the sun rules your wants 
and the moon rules your needs. And I feel like those sorts of things start to pop up now because I think this is when a lot of us start to be like, you know, like, I, I say that I want this, but is that something that, like, I is actually... A lot of people, I think, tend to re revise on the first quarter. And especially because it's in Sagittarius. And Sagittarius deals with, like, these big, like, expansive topics. Uh, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, who's, like, just this magnifying glass in the sky. So anything that Sagittarius touches just, like, expands it and makes it this worldly event, right? <laughs> so uh, try not to make too many mountains out of molehills during this moment, okay? And I, I wrote another journal prompt, okay? How can you stay Focus and organize while beckoning in explosive and expansive growth. And it sounds a little overdramatic, maybe, but this really is a BFD of illumination. Like, re respect the energy that's coming in, for sure. Uh, this moon also in this moment is square Saturn. And to me, when I see moon square Saturn, it's like alchemizing your emotions into your work. So, you, like I said, you might be feeling a little squeezed because of that moon-sun square off, right? And then, and then, so the moon is also squaring Saturn at this point. Saturn, like I said, creates rules, regulations, boundaries, foundations time itself and these more serious and somber topics that we approach in life and and saturn has no freaking time for your feelings no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> maybe maybe at maybe at their worst that's how saturn feels but i think that understanding and recognizing the emotions you may be feeling during this time but instead of ugh, like flopping into them sort of use using them as fuel and making a conscious effort today in the first quarter of Sagittarius Moon to propel and, and allow that to trampoline you forward would be something that's useful. And then also on that same day, it's going to be sextile Mars and Pluto. And remember how I said earlier about money magic, how there's going to be times and places to sort of advocate for yourself? Well, this is one of those days, this August 24th. I don't know. This is a wonderful day for negotiating and asserting yourself and exerting a little bit of extra energy into advocating for what you feel you are worth. And especially monetarily because of that morning star Venus still in play, right? And then from there... A few days pass, a uh, pretty quiet phase. The The first quarter is, well, quiet as in not much else is happening in the sky. I feel like first quarters are always going to be uh, pretty potent as far as the lunar phases go. But then we start to go now, uh, uh, the, the moon begins to fill up a little more. She's a, she's not full yet, but she's getting there. And we call this the uh, waxing gibbous. So we had the waxing crescent and this is the waxing gibbous. <laughs> And this will be in Capricorn on Sunday, August 27th at 5.18 p.m. So we're starting to get a little later uh, for us anyway. <laughs> us East Coasters. East Coast, Beast Coast. Wow, that's embarrassing. Okay, here's the thing. Even if the first quarter was tough, this phase, the, the, I find that the waxing gibbous is a very inspirational phase. It's like, whew, you made it past the first checkpoint. Look at you. You are killing it. Look at us. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to evolve. We're not slowing down. And and this is this is a very don't sweat the small stuff moon. This is our phase. This is a very like Let's just keep going. Catch your breath and let's just keep marching on. That's all we can do for ourselves. It's a very cheerleader. Woohoo! Yeah, this is a little cheerleader of the moon phases. Come on, we're almost full. Oh no, my sorry if you can hear my tummy rumble. <laughs> I'm a little hungry. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I noticed in my notes, I was like, holy crap, all of these moons are just so earthy. But this one, 
this moon phase is probably going to be extra tough for the Earth signs, specifically Taurus. I feel like I, I'm going to spit a few aspects out and what I feel about them that are happening with the moon at this time. So first of all, the moon is now squaring Chiron in Aries. And I view that as like, feel your feelings. Yeah, this is not an easy moon. So let it out. This is a great time to just sort of <sighs> I don't know what that means. But like, if you're lunar, you understand. You just got okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just imagine all these like emotionally congested individuals listening to this. They're like, what the fuck does that mean? Trust me, you'll understand soon if you stay here long enough. Okay, you just got to it out. Okay, just just trust me. Uh, and then we also see the moon. So the moon is also training three planets and earth signs. And that's why I was like, holy shit, this is so earthy. And the moon is in Capricorn, which is an earth sign. So we have the moon trine Mercury in Virgo. Mercury retrograde, by the way. And sort of seeing those characters interact in the sky. I wrote down that this is a great journaling moon. It's always good to journal, but I think that some people need to be told when to journal. <laughs> So if you're one of those people, this is a great time to journal and check in. And uh, like I said, I feel like there's going to be a lot of feelings sort of piling up during this uh, waxing gibbous. And I think that it's going to be a little clogged because of all these earth signs. Not only with that uh, moon interacting, trying Mercury really being encouraged to be honest with yourself and your feelings with others. Uh, or sorry, with yourself. Maybe not with others because of that retrograde. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like no one's going to be really listening very well this retrograde, I can't lie. But we also have the moon trine Jupiter and the moon trine Uranus in Taurus. And that's just like, I, I honestly feel like that this is a really good time to sort of, I don't know if you guys have any like accountability buddies. <laughs> I recently started participating in the art of accountability buddies uh, with a, my friend group and a few of us participate every week and we just sort of check in, we make goals for ourselves, we check in sort of throughout the week and uh, say like, oh, I'm doing this or oh, I wish I did this, but I didn't have the time, energy and all we could do. And then like everyone else is like, Woohoo, you're doing great. Don't worry about it. Yay. And it's been really great. Uh, and maybe if you can, if you have anyone that you check in with, this is a great check in day with your loved ones, sort of letting them know, hey, like this is what I've been up to because life is community. And this is actually a really good time to do these check ins because as we start to close out the lunation, there's actually... Not to spoil anything, but there's a big call to going inwards. So this is a really great time. Get all your social shit out right now during this waxing gibbous, especially if the first quarter was really rough for you. Give This is a good time to just sort of like, it, with people who you trust and who won't get you fucked up because of the Mercury retrograde or the Venus retrograde, honestly. In theory, at this point, this morning star Venus should have taken out anyone who's a shitbag for you if you opened up your heart to that. Hmm really makes you think. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but even if you did it, like, just, just choose carefully, get a few homies and, and check in with each other. Make sure everyone's still on the right path, right? Maybe share some moon magic with them that you've learned over the last few days, right? And then there's a few other astrological shifts that are happening during this time. On the same day as the waxing gibbous, Mars enters Libra, which is nice. Uh, and when that happens, we start to see an emphasis on direct and relatable communication, direct being 
Mars <laughs> relatable communication being Libra. So what happens here is that like our diplomacy skill check goes up by like 10. <laughs> but we also have to be careful if our diplomacy is already too high because then we could be probably a little scary. So just recognize the fact that you might be a little bit more eager to stand up for yourself or stand up for others for regardless of the results, right? I also feel that Mars and Libra, I think about a lot how Libra, of course, Venusian ruled, really requires a tidy mind. And what better than the very tangible Mars working with the very beauty-focused Libra tidy room equals tidy mind question mark <laughs> it's a great time to clean your room okay so maybe tidy actually don't tidy your room just yet there's gonna be a really good time at the end of the cycle to tidy your room but start to you know pick up after yourself understand that how you surround yourself is a reflection of how you live within your own head start to recognize and tap into those beliefs i suppose and also just in general mars and libra is just the art of pursuing desire but don't take too long to deciding. Listen, like Mars and Libra together, fire and air, that like that's going to create an inferno that's going to get out of control unless you know exactly what you want to control. But you know what? Maybe you need to get a little out of control. I don't know. I'm not your astrological mom, so I don't know you. But <laughs> and that's I don't I never really mentioned this either, but like I'm I'm saying some of these things as if like this is going to happen to you, but like honestly, at the end of the day, this is a, a really good thing to do is like look at your own chart and see how these things like Mars and Libra, like do you even have anything in Libra? Like or or even like because what also happens is that you can look at the ruler of the sign. Like, how is your Venus doing? Is is your Venus going to... Is this relevant to your information? You know? Like, always do checks and balances with yourself. I There's only so much I can give you <laughs> that's going to be relevant to you. And another shift that's happening is that Uranus will be stationing retrograde in Taurus on August 28th. So that'll be the day after. And we're going to be continuing to see these widespread shifts societally regarding uh the financial world i mean we've already been seeing this with like crypto and nfts uh we're gonna continue to watch evolutions regarding our relationships with beauty uh and we're going to be, once again, continuing conversations on things like using filters on our camera and even stuff like surgeries that we do on ourselves, like Brazilian booty lifts and stuff. Like, uh, I've been seeing a lot of celebrities get implants taken out of them. And in fact, I've been seeing a lot of my personal friends starting to plan surgeries to get those removed as well. So I don't know. I feel like... Uh, Uranus has been in Taurus for a little bit and we've already been having these discussions, but I feel like it's only going to ramp up from here. Oh, and also, of course, relationships, right? Uh, especially specifically the idea of like non-monogamy being more common, which I've definitely been seeing in life too. I don't know. These outer planets tend to deal with more societally based stuff. So maybe just keep an eye out seeing how Uranus retrograde and Taurus is going to start interacting with those concepts and uh on, on the world at large right but here is the cool part <laughs> you thought you thought we were already at the cool part with morning start no nah, we're, we're about to get even cooler with this super blue moon in pisces Woo! yes this is what we've all been working up towards okay this is a big culmination of our efforts this will be on august 30th at 9 35 p.m so for us esters we should be able to look up in the sky and see her look it's so beautiful and just huge the last super moon which happened on i believe the first yeah the first of this month uh she was fucking ginormous so i can only imagine how big she's gonna be tonight 
tonight. I, I'm already there. <laughs> I feel it. Uh, so on on uh, the super blue moon. And what that means, just to break down what this means, super a super moon means that just like it's closest to the earth. It's like the way that the, the eclipse, how it eclipses and cycles, like sometimes it's closer than not. And this is one of those moments where she's very, very close. And blue moon means that it is the second full moon of the month. And like I said, we already had a first full moon on the first. So that's what makes a blue moon uh, for those wondering. Honestly, it's funny because this is, I feel like this is going to be one of those moons that you're just going to have to feel it, right? But I do have some things that I'm thinking about um, that are relevant <laughs> and that is the fact that, first of all, this moon is conjunct with Saturn. For all of us who are currently going through our Saturn returns, I think that this is going to be a pretty potent full moon. So get ready for some um, intuitive hits and some stimulation from our lunar love in the sky. I feel like that this is a really great moon for purging and healing any ancestral or karmic pains, uh, especially those that have been holding on a little harder since our sort of new moon cord cutting moment. Uh, I think that we're going to be maybe confronting some familial, ancestral, long-term hurts that are in our system. I also wrote down, so I don't know, the moon rules anything at night, anything nocturnal, and Saturn rules cats who I feel are quite nocturnal. I think that this is an awesome full moon for cats and cat kitty cat magic. Uh, if you got a cat of your own, make sure to give them extra treats tonight. They will reward you <laughs> if they are aligned with the moon and its dance, which I think that uh, kitty cats are just naturally, they love the moon. So do dogs. I think most animals do, right? That's their clock, right? To know exactly what the hell is going on. And we, we all know that these types of creatures are more in tune with their instincts than not. So uh, especially on a super blue moon in Pisces, I don't know, spend some, give, in fact, because it's in Pisces, give your cat some nice fishy treats. Uh, I think they'll really like that. <laughs> and I, it's sort of weird because I think that full moons are usually expressed in like these very big outbursts of energy and a lot of things are encouraged, like we're encouraged to exert extra energy on full moons. But I actually think that because of just the general energy output of the previous first half of this lunation, I actually think that this is a great quiet night, uh, a night of reflection, a night of checking in, see how you're doing with your goals. Like I said, this is such a goal-oriented moon. Yeah, like full moons in general are vulnerable, stimulating, dramatic <laughs> times astrologically. And that's why I think like, let's not, let's just soak in this, you know, rather than like scooping it out ourselves like let's just succumb to whatever she wants to tell us this night maybe you and a few close friends that are all goal setting together like just spend this night really sinking your teeth into her lessons and her love and your cat too <laughs> I think all those things are, are useful. I know like this is such like a big moon, but I'm feeling excited to experience it for what it is. And I don't know how it's going to manifest uh, other than everything that I'm kind of pontificating and pondering about. So I don't know. Let's all have a lovely super blue moon together and whatever that entails for us. I'm very curious. <laughs> This now leads us to the second half of the moon phase where we get to watch our big, beautiful moon start to 
fade away. She gave us her big burst of energy with the full moon, and now it's time for her to start to rest, return inward, and reclaim her energy once again. The next phase that follows up the full moon is something called the disseminating moon. So once again, she's not fully full, but she's she's you can see you can see a little sliver of her taken out. <laughs> <laughs> this will be on Sunday, September 3rd, nice and early at like 3.27 a.m. And what I see often in disseminating moons is, of course, the energy begins to dwindle. You begin to loosen up. You begin to cool down. This moon in particular is conjunct. This moon, oh, by the way, this moon is in Aries, by the way. So which actually ends up being conjunct with, and remember, we hung out with them earlier during the new moon. The moon will be conjunct our north node in Chiron. <laughs> Previously, when we were maybe, uh, let me double check. Yeah, they were trying earlier. They were trying earlier, so they were, like, very friendly and flowing with each other. Now they're conjunct, which is actually considered a neutral aspect that it's good to, or bad, depending upon which planets and planetary forces are at play. And the fact that the moon is now sort of hanging out with the North Node in Chiron and in a very intimate space with them, once again, you're just being called to listen to your output. I, I think that this is going to really be different between every person. If your body's asking for sleep, sleep. If your body's asking to move, move. Remember, we talked about your inner compass a lot regarding your north node and the new moon. This is going to be a really good vibe check for that. See how well you have been able to, to follow that gut. And of course, there's going to be situations where like, I can't sleep. I got to work, of course. Like astrology does not stop life but where and when you can really follow those urges if you got if you got a rest rest if you got a schmoove schmoove okay and and it's kind of funny I, what i wrote in my notes so i actually have some of these notes from when i did the summer at a glance episode on celestial cafe what i wrote in my notes for that which i thought was really interesting was a four of swords day uh and maybe like i said that's for those who are maybe feeling more restful or desiring more rest during this disseminating moon in Aries. I, I Overall, I actually think this is kind of a good social moon for those who have the energy for it. But for those who don't, I kind of see this as like a calm before a storm because I feel like uh, the next few lunations are going to be pretty wild until the end of the year. <laughs> So I, I'm feeling like this is definitely a, a choose your own adventure type of moon where most moon, I mean, everything in astrology is because it's all very dependent upon your chart. But this is definitely a day for listening to your energy signature and respecting it. This is like a kind of a, a little quiz from the moon. Hey, how good are you? How good are you at listening to your inner vibes? And how good are you at following them? Kind of interesting. Uh, we do have a few astrological movements to talk about as well. So remember our beloved morning star Venus? Well, on this day, on September 3rd, she appears direct. So finally, her cocooning and her evolution is over, and now she gets to be free, and she gets to open up to the whole world. It's a little bit of an awkward time, I think, for her to bloom um, as far as, like, the lunar phases go. Uh, I wish that she bloomed a couple days earlier. <laughs> during the full moon but that's okay because like I said this is morning star Venus so she's the one that's really all about comfort and uh, taking care of ourselves and providing security for ourselves so that we can just be a better human and show up more and uh, be well rested enough to like connect with others right listen she's a welcome guest regardless of her timing <laughs> And, you know, I also wrote down for my notes here, I wrote, take yourself on a date, which is really cute. I'm 
I found that was cute. I wrote that just now <laughs> because and I think that's such a good way to celebrate this disseminating moon. Take yourself out, you know, and whatever, have a date night with yourself, whatever that means. I think that this is such a good night for that. Morningstar Venus is fully back in her power, direct moving forward. And we have this disseminating moon in Aries that's really asking us like check in with yourself. What better way to check in with yourself than to dedicate like a day, evening, morning, whatever time you have to you and to your needs and to your desires. I don't know. I think that's pretty cute. <laughs> and the other transit that's occurring is yet another retrograde. We are thick in retrograde season, for better or for worse. And that is Jupiter stations retrograde in Taurus. And this will be a pretty fascinating retrograde because it starts on September 4th. So this is the day after this this date night. And it will last until December 30th. So this cycle, it's going to last until the end of the year. And all the lessons that are involved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In my notes, I said retrograde season's popping off. It's true. Uh <laughs> And I wrote down, I'm just going to read what I wrote in my notes, honestly. I said, introspect, remember your goals and who you, capital Y, are. Exert extra tolerance towards yourself and others. Jupiter is such an expansive planet. It's all about freeing ourselves from our chains. But, you know, when Jupiter goes retrograde, we got to play a little smaller because we don't have that extra magnification to really back up some Jupiterian goals and mindsets and uh, so and, and, you know, Jupiter plays in things like religion and spirituality and upper education. Right. And like just ways any way that we use to expand and deepen our experience here on Earth. That's what Jupiter rules. And that's why I, I mentioned like extra tolerance towards ourselves and others, because I think that when Jupiter goes retrograde, we start to dabble in things that aren't as expansive as we think they are. Uh, and introspection's always good. All retrogrades are good for just sitting down and shutting up. I can't lie. Like, it, it's all about directly uh, at play anymore. So like now we get to sort of see the the hubris. <laughs> that they've caused when they were going direct. Of course, as usual, life goes on. It's not like we can completely abstain from Jupiter activities and not that I would recommend that. But I think that this is just a good time to check in with all Jupiterian notions in your life. And uh, I also wrote down for those who struggle with Jupiter and maybe feeling extra squeezed by this Jupiter retrograde that's going to be occurring over these next few months. I wrote down there's an easy remediation for this, and that is nature. And that's where that Jupiter retrograde in Taurus comes in. Appreciate the beauty of the world and find depth outdoors. Okay. Then maybe instead from within. Okay, allow nature to be your teacher over these next few months. That's actually something I'm going to be following pretty closely because I have been getting constant, constant, constant messages. Go outside, touch a tree, kiss a rock, like, um, kind of weird, but whatever. I'll, I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. <laughs> you think I won't? But I will. Who hasn't kissed a rock or two? Am I right, fellas? And then so we're, we're slowly, slowly closing out this lunation. We're going to be landing into the last quarter in Gemini. Uh, so like I said, these quarters are when there's square offs with the sun, right? But except now the moon is approaching the sun rather than kind of absconding <laughs> from the sun's rays. And the last quarter is always good. Wherein, so remember, the first quarter was like a check-in, right? To see uh, if you're still lined up and still on track with your goals. And now the last quarter is asking you to once again reflect, but rather than 
like use this as a jumping off point if you haven't done anything yet. This is like a make peace with the journey that you have just gone on. Even if you ended up having a bunch of zero days, even if you ended up not hitting any of your goals, the last quarter is the time that's meant to be spent to pause, reflect, and forgive yourself for what has or hasn't occurred over this lunation, okay? There's no hate here. There's no threat here. This is just between you and yourself and the moon, okay? And she's here to hold your hand as long as it as you need to conquer some of these codes, okay? You know, at this point, the moon is also squaring Mercury retrograde, and it's just like, shh. Okay, remember how I said, like, earlier in the lunation where we're getting social and stuff? This is not a social time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it hurts with Gemini, but, I mean, Mercury's in retrograde anyway. Like, if you gotta talk it out, talk with yourself, journal. But the silence is golden during this last quarter in Gemini, September 6th. Recollect, reform, hold that flame, hold your goals close to your chest, and just respect maybe the mismatched thoughts to feelings ratio that you might be feeling <laughs> that might be occurring within you. Maybe you're, you're a little too deep in your feelings or maybe you're a little bit too analytical about what has happened the last few months. Try to find a nice happy place in the middle. Do your best. I know it's hard with a square. All I can ask, and I'm going to say this every lunation for the last quarter, this is where we let go of the frustrations and the blockages and the holdups that have occurred this month and we forgive ourselves we forgive others and we continue to return inward to prepare for our new lunation in just a few days and with that the last quarter is continuing to fade 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 away until we are met with once again that cute little sliver that little little crescent in the sky and this final crescent is called a balsamic moon which i like because i love balsamic dressing i'm hungry i'm hungry i'm hungry okay i gotta wrap this up i'm hungry <laughs> and this balsamic moon in leo will be on sunday september 10th at 6 34 p.m and this is the rest and release portion. Okay, we have lived through and fought through an entire lunation cycle. It is time for cleansing and cord cutting rituals, purging your physical and spiritual spaces, just so you have enough room to come back home to yourself fully, to fully replant yourself into the dirt once again to start to bloom for the next lunation coming up. Remember how I mentioned cleaning a little bit earlier? This is the cleaning phase. This is a wonderful time to take advantage of that Mars and Libra energy that has started to burst through and clean the fuck out of your room, clean your altar, clean your uh, all the spaces that you consider sacred and you consider yours. Tidy that up so that you can have a nice, clean, fresh slate. For the next lunation. At this point, the moon is opposite Pluto. Pluto's a pretty interesting planet, an outer, yeah, so maybe not as acute as some of the inner, more personal planets. What the moon says here is to stand firm in this tenderness. Pluto rules power and, and, our, our perceptions of what is powerful. Listen, this has probably been a pretty emotional cycle, and all we can do is own it. And, and don't get too distracted by what has occurred. Once again, this is rest and release, okay? So let's reclaim that power that maybe we've lost throughout these last 29 and a half days. And, or that maybe the group has loosened. The group? <laughs> the grip has loosened. The group has listened. It's true. 
the grip is loosened. This is not a time to get distracted, okay? Like, and especially because the new moon's going to be the next new moon that's coming up in a few days after this. Uh, it's going to be in Virgo. So you thought like this was a planning basement. This next one's probably going to be even more analytical and intentional, right? So definitely working hard to not carry too much into that will be useful. It's also interesting because the moon is square Ceres. Like I said, an asteroid that's all about healing ourselves to heal the world. And a square, you know, it's just try your best to really dig into this this phase, this balsamic moon phase. Really, really focus on cleansing and healing and soothing yourself. This is not the phase, unfortunately, to focus too much on caring for others. <laughs> this is a solo rest, okay? And, and a solo recuperation. I also wrote on the side here, I wrote candles with three exclamation points. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I guess this is a good mood for candles. I don't know. Fuck it. Right, light a candle. I, I, I was cooking, I guess, when I wrote that. I just gave absolutely no information as to what that means. So, I don't know, light a candle for little Dukesley and whatever the fuck she was thinking about there. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a good idea to me. And so, with that balsamic moon dissolving and entering the dark moon phase where it appears the moon is not in the sky for like three to five days, we then greet the new moon in Virgo on September 14th, and that will be our next lunation. So, <laughs> in conclusion, wow, this is going to be a long episode. I mean, I, I explained some extra stuff that I normally wouldn't explain, and, and I also want to say that a moon episode is coming, okay? So, for those of you who want more information on lunar happenstances and all of which that that concerns the the lunar way i will be having an episode on that before the end of the year so uh, we can get a little bit more intricate and detailed regarding the phases and uh just you know the moon's presence in our day-to-day -day life regarding this leo lunation i i feel tired just looking at this but like not in a bad way i feel inspired too because there's so much about this uh the way that the new moon is so rooted in her dance with the nodes and she is participating in this morning star venus evolution is inspiring and i think that if we can really take advantage of this new moon seed planting phase and don't take this crescent or the waxing crescent the next phase that follows the new moon if we don't take that for granted and really utilize the energy that's offered to us that that airy like forward momentum building up to the the fiery blue super new moon <laughs> So that all out of order. Uh, if we could sort of build up to that and really utilize the, the waxing crescent properly, then I think we're going to have a really expressive and embodying moon phase. What I mean by that is just like we're just going to fall in line with her teachings. Uh, this is such an interesting moon to start with my lunation. I kind of mentioned this earlier, that to start our lunation forecast with it, because this is like kind of a banger. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're kind of being thrown directly into some of the strongest energies that the moon can produce for us. I don't know. All I got to say is good luck. Stay focused on your goals that you set during the new moon. They will be your anchor throughout this entire lunation okay and if you fuck it up that's okay this moon's also all about forgiveness i'm seeing multiple times this moon is also all about cleansing and and just 
starting fresh and and clearing whatever no longer serves you. Of course, Morning Star Venus will help with that like tremendously, that that amount of energy being poured into those mindsets. Seriously, travel light, stay in tune with your gut. This is a wonderful intuitive moon to really test uh, your intuition, uh, especially early on in the cycle. Uh, Later into the cycle, we're being asked to reflect, reflect, reflect. Be aware of your body. Check in. You're being asked to go on a date (laughs) at some point with yourself, which is really cool. I told you to light a candle at one point. That's crazy. It's kind of interesting. We're going to have a very social beginning of the lunation and then a very solo end of the lunation, uh, which is par for the course. And I think that's also why this is such an interesting lunation to start on, because I really feel like all these phases are really proving to themselves what they're best at providing just because of the way that everything's aspecting in the sky and of course every lunation is going to be a little different where even though maybe uh the waxing crescents all about like get the movement going so we don't lose the momentum there might be a waxing crescent in the future where it's like but all the planets here just want to rest and do nothing and we'll of course cross those bridges when they come but it's really interesting how it feels like a lot of this lunation just sort of lines up within itself and gets to show off some of the best and brightest of what these phases are capable of. Listen, I'm going to wrap up here. I'm not even going to tell you how long this recording is. There's going to be a lot of things that are cut out, though. Uh, I definitely fucked up a lot (laughs) during this episode. One day I'll have like a behind the scenes chat with you guys just to tell you all the silly shit that occurs during a recording. Because uh, this one was especially silly. I cannot lie. But I guess I guess that's a secret for another day. <laughs> uh, well, I don't even say this stuff when I don't even... Is that is is that like a, being a tease, do you think? Is that like just a Gemini thing? <laughs> Thank you for listening and tuning into my first ever Lunation forecast. I hope this was informative, interesting, introspective, insightful, magical even. Uh, whimsical, perhaps. If I'm lucky, if this is your first time following a lunation in general, this is quite a big one to be stepping into, and I wish you luck. I would love to hear updates about your lunation journey. Hmm. Well, I have an email, uh, and it's lazyfazyoddcast at gmail.com. If you guys want to send in any comments, questions, concerns about this lunation, I'd love to talk to you about it. I also have a Discord server, which can be found in the show notes. We can talk all about our this upcoming lunation together. This is the first of many we'll be discussing here. Talk about Morningstar Venus, too. I'm just I'm so thrilled about this. I'm such a Taurus bitch. Like I <laughs> And in fact, it's funny because the only Taurus placement I have is Mars, which is deeply in detriment. But I think that's why I crave so much Taurus. I want I want some of that unscathed Taurus energy where it's not like fueled by this fiery yet afflicted Martian energy that's also constantly on my Taurus heels. I'm excited to see what I have in store (laughs) also in this lunation you know like I'm curious to see how it it evolves for me with my chart and with my lived experiences right I'm happy to be here to help deliver all this information directly she called me last night the moon called me and told me to tell you all of this so I hope that (laughs) translated her pretty well now Next episode is going to be really exciting. It's going to be on Monday, the 28th of August. And we are going to be doing... So this was our first lunation forecast, which is going to be sort of a staple on this channel. And then 
The next episode is going to be the first of another staple that we're going to be doing, which is astrological deep dives on my favorite media. I'm going to come up with a cool name for that, I promise. The first piece of media that we're going to be covering astrologically where I... And not just astrologically, but just like magically. We're going to be magically assessing and pondering about The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Breath of the Wild. We're going to be doing a little bit of compare and contrast and sort of diving deep into Hyrule as it is right now, as it is recently in recent years and the world that Eiji Aonuma created. And if you want a little bit of that early, I have a friend named Nimbly. And she very cordially invited me onto her podcast to talk about the astrology and magic of Zelda as a whole. And I also chose to talk about Majora's Mask, which is my favorite Zelda game and video game of all time. And our episode together is on her podcast, the Ethereal Femme Lorekeeper podcast. Please check that out. I will have a link in the description to our episode together if you want a little tidbit, a little sneak peek of like how we're going to kind of navigate this episode coming up. And I want to add that this Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild astrological deep dive magical uh, adventure that we're going to go on is actually going to have an accompanying interview with Nimbly. That'll probably be coming a little bit after the release of my Oddcast episode on it, but look forward to that. She's amazing. She is, she considers herself a lore keeper of her favorite media, and she started with Zelda. I believe her next one is Pokemon, which is really exciting to me. Pokemon's my favorite series ever. So I'm really excited for that as not only a viewer and a listener to her stuff, but also as a collaborator of content with her at this point. Check that out if you haven't yet. I'll put the link down uh, in the show notes. And yeah, I think that's it for me. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Uh, If you want more information on this podcast or on me, you should check out phasey.love. Everything that you need to know about me or want to learn about me should be there. At least stuff that I want to share on a public forum. I also have a sale going on. It's technically a discount code that you can put in. Uh, It's Goodbye Cafe 15 in honor of... The other podcast I was on, Celestial Cafe, closing its doors, I wanted to give a thank you to everyone who listened and everyone who participated. Even you, if you've never even listened or participated, you still get a discount code. Everyone gets a little discount now. (laughs) So if you are looking to get a tarot reading or an astrological reading, maybe you should check me out. I would love to offer that for you. Okay. And I also have a reading just to read the moon and the lunar aspects of your chart. So tender, and one of my favorite readings to offer to others, and one that I feel like isn't utilized enough. So I don't know, maybe check that out if you want to learn more about how the moon interacts with you, (laughs) because I could definitely help you with that. Thank you guys so much once again for tuning in. I am so curious how long this episode's going to (laughs) be. Ah, I have a long weekend of editing coming up. Affectionate. I'm excited. This, this feels good. Thank you all once again for tuning into the Lazy Phasey Oddcast of Wonder and Whimsy. Once again, I was, I was no longer. Uh, no, I am your host. All right, I'm getting silly. I'm getting silly. I need food, honestly. I'm so hungry. All right, I'm Dugsley. Thank you for listening. You guys rock. You guys rule. And um, I'll see you again in a couple weeks. Okay? <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.